When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Seminole Softball Wrap Podcast. It's episode three. We're in, uh, wow, it's crazy. It's the end of March. Uh, we're going to be on like episode 10 and be in mid-June. We'll be sitting here in the <laughs> Women's College World Series. Uh, and Brian Peller and Gwen Rhodes here again. Uh, two weeks of FSU softball in the books. Two weeks of ACC softball in the books. So lots to cover. Gwen, I remember the last time we did this episode, I, I pitched to you and, and I guess the audience in the article that we needed a, um, I guess a moniker for you, right? Like a... <laughs> What is Gwen? Um, I, I have the official title. Are you ready for it? Okay. Yeah, this one This one comes from, this is at Jim Rhodes 18 on Twitter. He wants it to be the queen of Seminole softball. Yeah. Yeah. My official, dad officially, your dad. Yeah, dad approved. I said, if he <laughs> sent me the DM, he was like, this is what it has to be. I said, well, if the dad says so, that's it. So <laughs> dad official, I'm, I'm sure Coach will fight you for it. But hey, you know what? We'll take it. Yeah, she's proud. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, like I said, busy two weeks. We actually left it last time uh, coming off the Oklahoma State Series. Actually, I think you guys were together in Oklahoma. In yeah. Your time. So there you go. Great transition. Uh, so they had the Oklahoma game and the two weekend series against Syracuse and Duke. I think the obvious place to start is kind of do it like we did last time and roll through. Uh, chronologically, I, it's hard to go back, but two weeks ago they were, they were at Oklahoma. Kind of a fun game i thought um late lead swapping pitchers all over the place i think they used four in the game Mm -hmm. i I think if you're a florida state fan i i know you went like we talked about one three in that series against oklahoma state in oklahoma um but after the way i felt like that weekend went i think you had to be happy with the with the way they played on tuesday yeah i agree i mean having a four to five game against oklahoma like i'll say it like i think Florida State has been the hardest team Oklahoma has played this season. It's kind of given them a run for their money. Um, obviously, you have to be proud about the fourth inning because uh, Katie Dack hit that like absolutely monstrous home <laughs> run. Um, but it was all about the people that got on before her, right? Like you had the two other um, base runners to get on for Katie Dack, and Katie Dack delivered when she needed to. Yeah, I remember when, and it's funny because it's two weeks ago but when it happened i remember my my twitter timeline and it was just like you just tweeted like it was like exclamation points and just capital letters just appeared everywhere i was like oh okay big home run and i was like let me go find the video i put it on actually now that i remember it i was watching uh i had this game on my phone and was watching the pelicans lakers game on the big tv and the pelicans went down by like 40 in the first quarter and i switched them my wife came in and she's like are you upset what's going on what happened to the pelicans (laughs) i'm like it's over we're watching softball now so i mean this was a fun game uh yeah they they were like you said they were right there um you know i mean you can't fault them for not being able to get the one extra hit they kind of need to beat oklahoma but you you were right there and i think it kind of silenced i don't want to say silenced but for for a day or a week or so there was kind of the uh the panic button around around this team kind of settled in yeah. i felt like there was a lot less of oh god let's you know run into each other there's they're not good at anything yeah they went toe to toe with oklahoma mhm uh, we talked about it coming into this this next ACC play, which I don't think you could have started ACC play much better than they did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the fir- 
they they go the first weekend they're hosting Syracuse I think your words were they should they should pretty much roll through Syracuse and they they did I think they allowed four hits the whole weekend uh 10-0 run rule 5-1 win and then an 8-0 run rule Friday uh no hitter 10 yeah. runs all in the fourth um Saturday and Sunday I think were, were another I mean obviously there was two uh, Friday and Sunday were the run rules, but you're you're still pretty dominant even in Saturday's game. You used a variety of pitchers and really just, I mean, it looked like you were playing an out-of-conference weekend against one of those just bringing a few schools. You really, really just dominated Syracuse. Yeah, I think it was like a good start to ACC. Obviously, Syracuse isn't the top of the ACC, but that's fine. Um, a lot of things that I've been seeing from different peoples, like, you know, Florida State kind of plays down to the competition that they're playing, even though they do squeak out a win, they haven't been playing at their maximum potential against lower opponents. And that wasn't the case for Syracuse. I think we saw the team like kind of fully come together a little bit. You know, you have a disappointing Oklahoma week kind of um, in terms of the final score, but I mean, you come out and beat Syracuse two run rolls and Kat Sandercox first ever solo, no hitter. Can't get much better than that to start off conference. Yeah, I think you just walked out and just announced yourself. And, you know, you again, I don't want to hyperbolic it, but it felt like the weekend before everyone was was terrified that, oh, Oklahoma State just put it on us. And then you come right yeah. back, you respond, and you look like a dominant team. It's what you kind of needed. It, it's similar to what we talked about. I don't know if it was our first episode, I think it was, where we said, like, they've got a great weekend here to kind of settle themselves in before they play Oklahoma State. So to go yeah. take care of business. And that's what they got the chance to do. And, and they did it against Syracuse. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think it's still, they're still kind of in the figuring things out kind of mode, but um, I don't know. Do you have anything else on the Syracuse series? It just felt like they came in and kind of took care of business there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, especially I believe in the first game, it was more Syracuse imploding on themselves than it was us. You yeah, not on ball really because I mean, like it five was walks in an inning, five walks and a hit by one hit in the game kind of thing. But I mean, FSU is a team that'll take advantage of any little pass you give them, and they did exactly that and more so. Yeah, well, and, and even that, if you're if you're taking walks, that's great because a lot of times you you see a lot of college players maybe get antsy, like, oh, I got people on base, let me go ahead and try and hit the big hit to clear out the bases. Just take the walk. Yeah, take the walk, and that's that's a sign of a good team. They head to Duke this past weekend. Uh, 2-1 series win just happened today uh, as we record these on Sundays, as I've, uh, I think I've detailed before. But if you didn't, welcome in. We record on Sundays. Um, 4-1 win on Friday, 2-1 loss Saturday, and then the uh, rain-shortened 7-3. I mean, it's, really, I shouldn't say rain-shortened. It was a longer game because we had delays in there, but uh, didn't go the full length. 7-3 win. obviously I think this one is a much different series than the last one Uh, much more of a low grinded out kind of series. And I I guess we should probably go game by game because I think Saturday alone, I've got some kind of interesting takes on each way this went, but I mean, Friday, I think you come in and you got pretty much the game you would want, right. Especially from the pitching standpoint, you got cat and McKenna combined uh, one run cat does one hit. You get an Ed infield Homer. You kind of got what you'd want on a Friday night. Yeah. I think Friday night, we'll get to this later, but Friday night paved the way for today. Today was a much better all-around win. Um, but on Friday night specifically, like Duke and Florida State were pretty much evenly matched. Um, McKenna and Cat were on fire. They both had almost five swings and misses each. So, you know, they were they were keeping the Duke hitters swinging, but 
the Duke hitters really couldn't connect to anything of substantial. Yeah, I think Cat was five and one hit allowed over the game, and yep. then McKenna just came, comes in and uh, gets you the last two innings there. Um, I, I I saw some tweets from you on Saturday. Saturday really was just a game with with two two swings that mattered. It was a two run homer and a solo shot, and you had the solo yeah. homer. Um, to me, it seemed like you you had an interesting thought on the pitching staff on Saturday, the way Duke used them. Yeah, so Cassidy Curd obviously is the starting pitcher that was for Duke on Saturday, and I think she's a little bit better than Jayla Wright, who started on Friday and came in today. Like once Cassidy Curd came into the game today, like it was pretty much done and over with at that point. Like Florida State, uh, Kaylee Harding hit one home run off of her, but like J- Cassidy Curd like shuts down a team pretty fast, um, and that's why it was a four to one win. Like Cat, not four to one win, a uh, two to one loss. Sorry. Um, Cat on, I believe Cat, right? On game two? No, Allison, sorry. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, like, you know, we use three pitchers and the long ball you don't want to give up. But, I mean, for a while it was close. Like, two runs is easily manageable and Mudge tried to get us back in. But it was just a little bit too late. And when you get into those late innings and you start to apply pressure then, it gets hard. Like, yeah, you're applying pressure in the fifth and the sixth, but you need realistically, obviously, the whole game to do that, and that just wasn't there. They didn't get their first hit until, I think, the fourth inning. So, Yeah, it was another game of taking your walks. They, they took four, but to your point, if you don't really threaten until late, it, it becomes a, a tougher spot. You kind of need the one big hit to come through at the right time, and and like you said, Mudge's homer was with nobody on. So if, yeah. if it's timed right, then great. It's 2-2, and you're still playing ball, and you got a chance to win it. Um, do you think Curd's a better pitcher overall, or do you think a better pitcher – versus a Florida State? Um, I haven't watched a lot of Duke games, so I have a pretty small sample size. But, I mean, just every time I watch Cassidy Curd, like I watched her a couple times in Clearwater, like she was shutting down ranked offenses. Like obviously Jayla Wright is the Friday night girl for a reason because she has that more experience. But I think Cassidy Curd is kind of similar to McKenna Reed in that aspect. It's like they're both extremely dominant pitchers that no one's ever seen before because they're freshmen. Um, not meaning they're not good, but like they're just really, really good for being a freshman and no one knows uh, exactly what's going to come with that. So I'm, I think Cassidy Curd is a very strong, like one B behind Jayla Wright. And I would really be interested to see how she does next season. It'll be something to keep an eye on come ACC tournament time too. Yeah. Potentially, potentially an interesting way that that lines up. Um, obviously, at that point, you're not really playing a series. Uh, anything else? Oh, well, Sunday. Sunday's yeah. game, do we just just about to blew through that one? Um, you had the rain delay the game to start, and then the rain again delaying the game kind of in the middle of what was like the second inning, third inning? Somewhere in there. Uh, uh, second inning, yeah. Yeah. And and then you end up just kind of running out of time, right? Uh, Cat goes five, one earned. Harding and Muffley with your big swings of the day, driving in your runs. But uh, 7-3, takeaways from this rain-riddled get-out-of-town game, I guess. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, I think Cat was 
as strong as she was on Friday. And I think she's really just starting to get more into her groove overall. I think at the beginning of the season, you know, you saw her get hits a lot. You saw her get runs a lot. Um, but now, I mean, I think it's a great time to start clicking on all cylinders for Kat. You know, ACC play against ranked competition. Um, Kat had four 0-2 starts for this game, so it was good that she got ahead of hitters early and kept them off balance. Um, but on the offensive side for Florida State, uh, team total 10 swings and misses, like not what you want to see. You want to put bat on ball, even if it's foul balls. Um, in the sixth inning, Devin Flaherty had seven foul balls, but that was partially because she was trying to kill time to end the game. But overall, I'm impressed with today's win. Yeah, I felt like they really uh, – you mentioned Kat, and I and I feel like, to your point, Kat has really settled in. I mean, I, I know there was yeah. the panic early in the year. Um, that's that I think she was kind of the main source of people like, well, you know, it doesn't seem like she just got it. I mean, you look up now, she's, she's at 1.26. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, she's just been phenomenal. And as you mentioned, in ACC play in particular – um, she's been great so far through two weekends. Yeah, I think it was on the broadcast that they said, obviously this is gone now, but you know, Kat hasn't given up an earned run since late February. So it's been over a month uh, since she's given up an earned run. And that's that's exactly where you want her to be. And that's exactly where what you want her to do right now. Yeah, I mean, today was 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 the earned run and then but three runs overall, but only one earned. So, I mean, yeah. she continues to be uh, stellar. If you, if you go, what is that, a month, and you've allowed one earned run still, that's great. And I don't think anyone could complain about that. Uh, you open SEC, SACC play. I just smushed the word together. Uh, five and one. I think that's where you'd want to yeah. be heading into your rest of your schedule. Um, so looking ahead, no midweek games the next two weeks. Ooh. Next weekend, they've got Georgia Tech. Uh, any thoughts on Georgia Tech there? Is this a similar situation to, to what we had with Syracuse coming in, or what do we got? I'm starting to think that a little bit. I, I kind of always want Georgia Tech to be better than they are, and I thought they were the last couple years. Like last year when we played Georgia Tech at their place, they gave us like pretty much everything we could handle. Um, but they did lose. They got swept by Clemson this weekend. I mean, Clemson – Say what you want about Clemson, but I do think they're a good team and they kind of do deserve to be a top five team. Um, but I mean, two games were lost by run rule t- uh, this weekend for Georgia Tech. One was a little bit closer of a game, an eight to four loss in extras, I believe. So, I mean, it's a good thing that they're pushing a top five team to extras, but I, I really wanted to see more out of Georgia Tech. So I'm not thinking they're going to give Florida State anything substantial. Yeah, I mean, it looks, what, 16-15 to 15 overall. I see a win over Auburn, a, a run rule loss to Georgia, 2-7 and seven so far in conference. So, I mean, um, another chance to kind of take a deep – hopefully take a breath and, you know, play at home and, and pack on three more wins here. Uh, following weekend, it's uh, Easter weekend, so it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's against Clemson, that Friday game, ESPN2. I know we talked about Clemson a good bit before – previous episodes but that seems to be the obvious uh the obvious more intense of the two weekends yeah I mean I I literally just said this people don't really think Clemson deserves that you know top five three four range but I I do like they're kind of if you look at Oklahoma last season or the previous couple seasons like yes they didn't play anyone substantial but I mean they were run ruling people all over the place so it's not necessarily always who you play but you know how much you beat them by Um, and I'm going to take a quick look right now to see what exactly Clemson's 32 um, and one 
yeah, they're 32 and run. 32 uh, the, and one, run the one loss was a neutral site against a USF tournament here in Tampa, uh, yeah. one nothing to Tennessee. Yeah. So, I mean, you lose to Tennessee, one nothing, not a terrible loss. I believe they just absolutely obliterated Northwestern in the beginning of the season, not when Northwestern was anywhere kind of good. Um, but I mean, right now, if I look at it, Clemson is outscoring opponents 238 to 28. So that is just a ridiculous stat, no matter what team it is. Like you can't, you cannot sleep on Clemson next weekend. Like I'm pretty sure their one through nine is dangerous. Obviously Valerie Cagle's there. Millie Thompson stepped her game up. A couple pitchers behind those two have also come up as well. Yeah. And they are, they're looking at a, uh, weekend against Boston college this weekend. I don't, yeah. I don't and then they've got a uh, they do have a game on Wednesday, a day game on Wednesday going into that Thursday, Friday, Saturday series as well against Furman. So they, you know, same thing. They they'll have a chance to kind of reset, retool, and, and be ready for you. Uh anything in particular to watch for with Clemson? Is it just seems like they kind of can do it all, hit, pitch, and everything. Yeah, I think the transfers out of Clemson is like kind of what has upped their game and stepped them up this season. Uh, They have Caroline Jacobson from Duke, who was just an absolute bomber for them. Um, And they also have Allie Micklish from Wisconsin. She is absolute speed, along with Reedy Davenport, who both start the game. So keep an eye out for Caroline Jacobson hitting bombs and Allie Micklish and Reedy Davenport on the base pass. There you go. You hear it from Gwen, and now we get to hear from you. Uh, this is the OK Gwen segment. She's on Twitter at OK Gwen. You've noticed it's, it's just the whole the whole show is Brian interviews Gwen. But this is the part where you get to interview Gwen. Uh, earlier this weekend, you put out a call for questions at OK Gwen, OK A Y G W Y N on Twitter. Uh, a bunch of you hit her back on responses. We pulled five of them. If you want to be involved, go ahead, tweet her the questions. We'll put you in the we'll put you in the show. You'll hear your own name here, and you get to hear me butcher it like. First question coming in from at lady. I don't know if it's C Howard Choward. I don't know, but that's (laughs) that's it. Lady C Howard's what I got. Do you see Reed developing into a starter, getting any starts this season, specifically if her game develops develops enough in her relief appearances? Is there a threshold that opens her up getting the ball for a start, like in her current role? She does like her in her current role, just to be clear. Yeah, I mean, I like reading her current role as well. I I would say she'd be more inclined to get a start if she was getting more innings in relief. Like right now, she hasn't been. I think in the first Duke game, she came in for an out in the seventh or yeah. something like that. But if she was, you know, coming in in the fifth or in the fourth for relief, obviously you don't want that to be the case because you want your starter to go longer. But I, I would say if Reed was getting more substantial innings as of late in relief, yes. And I don't know if I would put her necessarily right now in like a ranked start, you know, probably like a midweek or something like that. Um, but I, I, because of how she's been used the last couple games, I don't think she'll get a start this season. Yeah. I, I, do you wonder, I, I wonder if it's a usage and, I, and this is my question for you on a follow-up, but do you think it's more of a, She's so good in her role, and and the, you know you don't want to max out her innings. You know you you want to limit as many innings as you can. So she's, uh, I guess, as fresh as possible all season long. Yeah, it's kind, it's it's that, and also the way I look at it is like Reed is a dominant freshman. You don't want to give too many people too many looks at McKenna right now because you still want her to be dominant next season, and you want people to have to figure out again next season. Obviously, she's going to grow and learn from this season and be probably different next season, but. I mean, it is kind of a little bit of how many people do we want to see McKenna read right now? Okay. 
Uh, any is any concern with that long term development, like looking at next year that that she doesn't log as many innings this year? No, especially with Cat, Mac, and Allie leaving, like someone's gonna have to step up. And honestly, right now, I think that's probably gonna be McKenna. All right. Question two at Page Madison 08 says the ACC has improved tremendously in the past few years. How do the Knowles look compared to other teams in the conference? We've kind of been hitting on that a little bit. Uh, I think we know Clemson and Duke are kind of uh, in that upper group. Do you have kind of a tiers list, maybe like Florida State and Clemson is the top tier? And then kind of how does it how does it fall going through that? Yeah, I think right now it's probably Clemson and Florida State at the top. Of course, ACC wouldn't rank them this way based on how many games they've won. But um, I would say Clemson and Florida State at the top, Duke and Virginia Tech kind of right below them. Um, And then kind of right below them is, in my opinion, Louisville and Notre Dame. And I've been really surprised and pleased with Virginia um, they've only been four and five on the season, but I mean, the freshman Eden Bigham for Virginia has been, honestly been outstanding in my opinion. Um, and I'm really glad that the Hoos are bolstering themselves up into the next tier of the ACC. Like that's what you want all these teams to do. And Virginia is taking that next step. Um, teams like North Carolina State are going to falter because they've had coaching changes the past couple of weeks that haven't been the best for them. Um, so North Carolina state, I'm really interested to see how they finish out the season. I honestly don't know if we play them this season. doesn't look like we do. Um, but if for some reason we find them in the ACC tournament, I don't think we will, but I mean, I, I'd be interested to see how we play against NC state. Yeah. Not on the schedule. It looks like so, uh, not this year. And, and just curiosity in case this question was meant, uh, maybe, big picture program wise it, it, you think florida state is still kind of that that top tier program in this conference as more of these schools are pumping money into it um yeah i think so like we've seen florida state get renovations to their stadium in the last couple of years like obviously coach has an extended contract now so she's going to be around for a very long time um, and recruits want to come play for Coach. Obviously, that's shown by next season. We have one of the top five recruiting classes in the nation coming in. Um, and the next season after that is pretty strong as well. So, I mean, you're getting power hitters. You're getting dominant pitching in the next couple of years. And one nugget I'll throw in there, kind of on what you said, and this is a nice little sneak, pre- sneak peek for you guys to listen to this podcast all the way through. Uh, coming up later this week, we're going to drop our, our seminal rap podcast, me and John Marchant. Uh, Max was out this week, but we interviewed uh, athletic director Alfred, Michael Alford. And I was talking to him about just the idea of, of taking care of athletes and stuff. And he made the point that they had a lot of transfers and he wouldn't name like specific sports or, or, you know, but he was saying that there were some female student athletes who were saying, you know, walking around with a smoothie and he just said hi. And they were like, hey, thank you, because where we went to school, they didn't have nutrition available for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like that type of stuff was just that was for football players. It was for the basketball team, but it wasn't for the other sports. So, you know, he was talking about the idea of making those resources, making the those uh, things available. So, I mean, I think that's one big key too is, is a, an athletic department overall that believes in investing in women's sports. I, I think that's a big point and not just using it as a way to kind of counterbalance your Title IX scholarships, right? Putting the money in and, and making yeah. sure the program is kind of uplifted. So mm-hmm. good to see that. Uh, next question at, oh boy, at Brent, <laughs> it's a bunch of numbers, 8832 
Uh, what's the key to getting the offense a little more consistent? Yeah, I think right now is an interesting time because the way I look at it, not everyone is firing on all cylinders offensively. Um, you have people like in and out of slumps and then like other people are also in and out of slumps. Um, the way I see it right now, like Mac Leonard, I think everyone kind of sees this, you know, is not hitting her best. That's why she's out at the bottom of the lineup. Um, and I think if we can get, I don't know when this would happen, but if we can get Mac Leonard back in the pitching circle sometime soon, you know, get her more confident in those innings, like that's something that could help us down the stretch as well. Um, right now, Mac, I could see stepping up a little bit. Um, she's had a few, you know, sack fly RBIs here and there, but I, I really need to see her start hitting for power a little bit more. Um, Mudge, I feel like has been in a teeny little slump. Um, she had a home run just the other day and she had a pretty good day today as well. Um, but obviously at the top of the lineup, you want to see her get on base and um, produce. I think she had a couple over days this past weekend and a little bit in Syracuse probably. Um, so them two is what I would like to see be more consistent to help out the offense overall. But I mean, coach is not afraid to tinker with the bottom of the lineup at all. If you're not doing well. Next one. Okay. Uh, I should probably do this. Okay. Gwen, next one. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, bring out a little of the, of the branding on it, uh, from at Jeremy. I'm not even going to try juror. <laughs> which uh, which player not getting a ton of at bats right now would you guess becomes a factor in the lineup down the stretch? Anyone you think could be maybe uh, a little a little hidden right now that that could blossom here in the final stretch of the year? Yeah, I think Amaya Ross is always a factor. Like last season, towards the end of the season, like she does come up when she needs to and produce those RBIs or get someone on base or move someone over. Um, and that's kind of what you've seen the last couple games because, you know, last couple games with Duke, with Josie Muffley's spot and lineup coming up, like Kocha subs in Amaya for Josie because she knows Amaya can, you know, battle in an AB or, you know, poke something through the infield. And obviously we know her speed. So having her on base, you know, is amazing as well. Um, but I think Amaya Ross, like if she can come up big and pinch hit moments or get a couple ABs, like. Amaya Ross is going to be her. <laughs> going to be her. Uh, last one. Okay, Gwen, this one's from, uh, oh boy, at Tammy N. Tank. That's what my guess. Question was about pitching rotations, uh, catching rotations, and offensive movement. I feel like we talk pitching rotations a bunch. Uh, we kind of just touched on the offense. So I I'll take it to the catching rotations. It's not really a question, but any thoughts on, on the catching position? I know I, I mentioned Michaela Homer uh this weekend but any any other ideas there um yeah I think Michaela's our girl all the way but I'll spin it a little bit differently like if I had to I guess rank order of the catchers it would probably be Michaela Katie um and then from there probably Maddie Fry and then Kylo Presti one question I, I meant to actually include in this list that I just thought of as I as I did it here was the, the check-in on the third base position. I know it was something we talked about a bunch last week, um, and I'm trying to find that question again, but I can't find it. Oh, from uh, same person, at Lady C. Chow Lady Chowder, Lady C. Howard, where do you see third base? Who's your starter? And should we rotate to find a perfect fit or just continue taking the lumps? Um, I kind of think Kaylee Harding is the third base starter right now, and I think Kocha thinks that as well. Kaylee, I believe, has gotten all three starts this weekend at third base. Um, and it's honestly worked out like I think just this entire season, it's going to be hard for the new third baseman, whoever it is. 
Um, but I, I think Kaylee Harding is that person. She's just a little bit more experienced overall. Um, so yeah, Kaylee Harding is my person at third base. Yeah. So, uh, thank you everyone for the questions, Paige, Jeremy, uh, Brent, the whole line, the whole line here, Carl, Carl's lady C Howard, the whole group of you. Thank you for getting your questions in. If you're listening again, feel free to get your questions in as Gwen laughs as I butcher everyone's name together. We appreciate you guys with the input and, and helping, uh, grow the podcast. You know, we're, we're only in episode three, but, uh, you know, trying try to be more involved and get your guys' thoughts on the show and have an idea kind of what what interests you. Where where do you think this team needs to go and grow? So appreciate that. Gwen, any other final thoughts? Um, No, I'm ready to get after this weekend with Georgia Tech. There you go. Gwen's ready for this weekend. I'm still looking ahead to a few weekends from now when Taylor Swift returns to Tampa. <laughs> uh, Gwen, I know you're in Nashville, but we'll keep bringing this up because by the time we do this, I'll be a week away from my show. Um, how have you followed the surprise songs in case you're new to this? You can, this is your skip ahead. I don't want to hear anything about the Taylor Swift thing. You can skip to the end. It's fine. Uh, surprise songs. Taylor does two in every show. How have you felt? Have you been heartbroken? Are there one you're hoping for, for your show? Yeah, I've been heartbroken because she played, I believe in Las Vegas, our song and cowboy like me. Those were the two songs. Yeah. I love those songs. Like, what the heck? Like, I would probably say those are like my two off their respective albums, like my favorites. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't too upset with the one she played in Arizona, but I think for my shows, anything off debut or speak now, speak now has not beginning the justice it deserves. <laughs> so any songs from those albums I want for Nashville. Gwen is an early Taylor girly. You heard her first. She's all about her early season Taylor. Um <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm here for, for pretty much anything on a, on a red uh, or, or most of, most of lover that didn't make it to the show itself is also fine with me, but it's, yeah, it's uh feels like everyone's going to get a little sprinkling of, of the folklore evermores that didn't make it. So mm-hmm. I'm just buckling up for that as well. Uh, well, we'll check in again in two weeks. If anything, any, anything else I would, last time we talked Wazoo uh, was still in there. We, we apologize. I think I had an offer to actually wave the, Washington State flag at, at college game day and uh, no Washington State minute this go around. I did the tournaments finish for both. And, yeah. uh, we'll have to pick that up if, if the uh, baseball or softball teams make it happen. But uh, no softball team. Oh, well. Investing in women's sports, huh? right? I'm, I'm probably the most vocal saying we need a softball team, but. Look at that. See, Gwen's out here making it happen. I'm realistic about what is going on. So gymnastics team. I would also love a gymnastics team. We don't have one. Did you see the, uh, the Leo's LSU had a few weeks ago for the SC tournament? Love them. Absolutely love them. I'm a big Leo girl. Like if you have a good Leo, like I will let you know. And if they do not, I'll also let you know. (laughs) I'm normally not, uh, not one on that, but they, uh, they put out the video. If you haven't seen it, it's, uh, I think they filmed it inside Mike, the tiger's habitat. It was, uh, it's a good one. It's a, it was a great reveal. I was like, look at this. Uh, so there you go. Gwen would like fear Washington state. If you want to get back on the show, it's a softball team or a gymnastics team, a soccer team. You got a soccer team. Yeah, there you go. All right. So there we go. We got something. So, so we need to, we need a spring sport though. We need a, we need a softball. We need a gymnastics. We need something. We have rowing. Rowing. I, I got nothing on rowing. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing there. <laughs> Uh, but for now, we'll keep it Florida State focused. Again, the busy weekends uh, up ahead. Georgia Tech and Clemson, our next episode. I don't know. 
I don't really have anything going on for Easter. I don't know what your schedule looks like then, but we'll be around then. We'll talk it off after. But uh, whether it's Easter Monday or the next day, we'll, we'll have you on post-Clemson. Uh, so that'll be our next episode, which is April. I want to get you the date so you can know. 9th? Somewhere around April 9th. So look out for that then. But until then, for Brian and Gwen, that's a wrap.